What's the the dumbest thing we've done together? Oh Jesus! If you had to pick less than ten. <laughs> oh, there's been a few ones that probably we can't talk about. <laughs> hey, it's Ryan here, and that's my friend Dave. And when you think about interviewing your best friend, you want it to sound just like that, talking about the good memories, reminiscing about all the times you used to get in trouble in high school. But today is a little bit different because Dave, well, Dave really needs your help. Dave is running 300 kilometres. That's 187 miles in just five days. And he's doing it to raise money and awareness for motor neuron diseases like ALS, the disease that claimed his mother's life. She couldn't walk, talk, um, or even swallow, to be honest. She was pretty incredible, but how hard is it to watch your body just completely fail you when your mind is 100% and, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's it's one of the worst things you'll see. I absolutely love Dave, and so does anyone who meets him. He's got this massive smile, and he's your honest, hard-working Aussie bloke. He works in construction, he lives with his girlfriend Kimmy and their pet rabbits, and he's the kind of person that would do absolutely anything for anyone. Which is why after seeing his mother go through MND, he just wanted to do something about it. And running 300 kilometres in five days, well, that's not just something. That's crazy. Because most people, you say, 300 kilometres, five days, you're an idiot. Yeah, nah, pretty much, still get that. Dave and I sat down in the kitchen of his St Kilda apartment in Melbourne. We poured ourselves some coffee and talked about MND and his beautiful mother, Margie. What do you remember of her? Like, what's the... If you use a couple of words to describe her. Uh, Just selfless, caring and just lovely. One of the most, yeah, genuine, nice people... I think um, you can. You, yeah. you obviously know knew her for ten plus years, so can attest to just what's yeah a special woman she was. Yeah, so I yeah definitely caring and supportive. Would that be the if there was one main thing that you missed? Would yeah, it definitely. You know, just the support and having that person to talk to when you have. She was the one that could help you through through anything. You could yeah. um, you could ask her anything, and she'd solve all the problems, whether it be work-related, life, you know, women, anything. She would yep. she'd be able to give you that support and, and, and knowledge. And, yeah, you definitely you miss that for sure. Is there one sort of trait or one thing that she taught you that really sticks out? Uh, yeah, probably just, just to always just laugh and have a good time. I'd say she was, yeah. she was always smiling if you ever saw her. She was, yeah... She was always just having a good time. What's your, if there's maybe a favourite memory or that one memory that is always, sometimes it's really insignificant things, but it just sticks in your mind. Is there one memory that you have with... With mum? Yeah. With mum, it was always just just the hugs and just sitting on a couch on a Friday night and just watching watching movies with her and just, yeah, just the, the as you said, the simple things. Yeah that you miss the most, just coming home and being able to talk to her. She was cooking dinner. And yeah, just the little things of always having her, her around, which is nice. Yeah, you definitely have one of those houses when you say Friday night. It was like every Friday night, fish and chips, fish and chips. everyone's welcome. Doesn't matter who walks <laughs> in the door. You're like, Ryan, pull up a chair, sit down. We've got the footy on. And it's just everyone was yeah, welcome. Yeah, you usually that get to a Friday night uh, fish and chips. You'd usually get a few, few people dropping in, which was always the house and that's what mum made it and dad as well obviously but yeah, yeah they made it everyone everyone welcome so is she still 
playing tennis or running? Because I remember she was always fit. Yep. So tennis. Was she a tennis player? Yeah, yeah. she played until uh, she was when she was diagnosed. She still played probably eight months after that until her body just started deteriorating to a point where she couldn't. But she loved, yeah, loved tennis and yeah. just all things fitness. She was a great netball player. And, um, yeah, just loved exercise. And so what comes first? Does she have a blood test or something and find out that she has motor neuron disease or do you start noticing she's a bit slower or like what? Yeah, what so it's usually, it's different for every person what yeah. goes first, but you can start just feeling weakness. You'll start dropping, dropping things or you start tripping up or finding it hard to swallow and then you go and get a test and... When you get the test, it's also it's hard to be a hundred percent certain that you've got it. But then you sort of you know, and they can try and diagnose you for. There's two different types, sort of a long one where you can survive a lot longer with it, and then there's the motor neuron, where it's usually an average of two years. Yeah, sort of, right. yeah, which and they tell you it's, that's your life expectancy is, is two years. So. so when you find out it's MND, did you? know what that meant straight away no no not at all i yeah. it, it to me it was pretty foreign and even when i think i was overseas at the time when my parents called me and told me it was mnd i i had no real understanding of what that meant and until i learnt what comes after that that yeah it was really i even even if i knew everything i did you don't know until you see it firsthand yeah to the person that yeah means the most <laughs> yeah well tell me a, a, about that phone call is it your mum or does your dad call up and say we've got some news when are you home next or like it seems like a tricky one to have on the phone while you're traveling yeah, the world or it was um i was in i think miami and i was with my brother as well and we got the call from both of them were on the line and um and they told us yeah they told us sort of what it was and Obviously, it was heartbreaking. We said we were going to book our flights that night, and they said, "Mum, being the person she yeah. said, don't." She said, "Don't be ridiculous." She said, "Finish your trip," which was you know another month or so. She said, "There's no way you know you guys are over there. You know, enjoy your time and just come back when whenever you're ready." And in a true fashion, yeah. she always put other people first, and Ooh, so yeah. She says, "Enjoy your time," but surely, yeah, it's it, hard. Yeah, <laughs> you don't really. Yeah, yeah, forget about that. We did so obviously we cut it short, and you try and forget about it, but you can't really. And so yeah, we we um, just finished the trip and came home and sort of were with her as much as we could. Yeah. So for people that haven't experienced it, like, what does the next few years entail? For Margie, you said you know it starts <laughs> with a bit of a, a tingling in the hand. Yeah. But then, so, so you it, it, with Mum, it was probably. Hands went sort of first, just not being able to grip things that well. But then the next was speech and swallowing, which happened very, very rapidly. It was um, probably four or five months and she could barely sort of swallow and talk. We had to get an app to for her iPad to help communicate. Um, and a bit further on, swallowing was a was an issue so she had to get a tube where we where there was feeding and legs went as well so she had an electric sort of wheelchair as well which um 
yeah, she used to get around. And so that's from within months. four or five months sort of thing. Yeah, four to five months to a year is when yeah, it's it's rapid. It is rapid. It can be rapid and it cannot be. But yeah, for I think from from four months to twelve months, pretty much she couldn't walk, talk, um, or even swallow. To be honest. Yeah, I remember the hardest thing for me to wrap my head around. I'm sure it was for you that the brain is still 100%. It is, yeah, one of the most brutal, yeah, brutal diseases you can get because she is, I mean, you remember, she was sharp, she was smart. And she wasn't until the very end. She was was pretty incredible. But how hard is it to watch your body just completely fail you when your mind is 100%? And, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, it's one of the worst things you'll see. Yeah, how was it? Um, so that's what it was like for her. How was it for you for those few years? Because, like you said, you you want to forget about it, but it's almost when something bad's happening, you you catch yourself laughing and you go, "Oh, but I'm having fun, but I can't because this bad things happening." Yeah, it is a it is a battle that you have to sort of you want to enjoy yourself, and she wants you to enjoy yourself, but you also in the back of the mind you might go out for a nice day or night and you forget about it, and then you come home and you're like, Jesus, like, yeah, you know, is it fair that I'm out there having a good time but she was never she always wanted the wanted the best for us regardless she yep. she was never never wanted us to feel sorry for her or anything and she yeah she was always just looking out for us the most yeah i remember the day i think you, you called me on a, on a sunday night and told me that she'd passed away uh is it like a relief that's you know the, the battle's over or is it still a shock or what's the first like and do you know it's coming or we yeah we did know it was coming it was at towards the end it was almost her decision where uh, she was on a breathing apparatus during the nights and even sometimes a lot of the day just to help her breathe because she wasn't getting enough oxygen um and she sort of made the decision we talked to palliative care um about sort of what to go and she uh had had she'd had enough and couldn't fight it and that was enough because she was only being kept alive by this breathing machine so really we knew she decided and we knew when it was coming and we were all with her we were lucky enough to my sister's a nurse and we had um we had doctors in as well so we got she was never in hospital which was really nice we're lucky because that's not always the case but um, so we knew, yeah, that it was going to happen that Sunday and, and yeah. we were with her till the very end, which, you know, it doesn't, it, it was really lucky. Like it's one of the most awful things, but to be with her, you know, she's not alone. She was, she was surrounded by her family. It was, was, yeah, the best of a terrible, terrible case. Yeah. Is that, I mean, I guess everyone, when they think about when their time comes, you all, you always sort of dream that you can be surrounded by your loved ones yeah. and, and that so is, is is that strangely a nice moment yeah it, it it really was to be able to like some people are taken so tragically in car crashes or any other anything else that you ripped away and i mean it's it still wouldn't want because we had to watch her go through all of that for two years i wouldn't say it was nice but we were very yeah lucky to all all be there at the end, all the people important to her that she, yeah, she knew yeah. she was loved and right till the very, very end. What's the, you know, you said she was the one you went to talk to, like she was caring and supportive. Yeah. So 
you know, what's the next few weeks, months, what's that like? Because it's even ironically in that situation, you yeah, would go to Mark and go, what do I do in this situation? Yeah, 100%. Um, you've met up the rest of our, you know, my family and it was just all about, you know, my sister, my brother, my dad, Auntie Helen, yep. just sort of the whole family sort of just bands together and i got good friends. You, yep. you were there and I was lucky enough that I've got some really, really awesome people in my life that I could talk to and... Yeah, and help me get through this, yeah, awful, awful time. But it's it's never. I still think about it every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's it's never ending. But you know, it's um, it's just something you deal with. And is it the the sad bits every day, or do you, like I said, you remember the good times? Nah, and stuff? I remember the good times yeah. as well. And whenever there's, she always loved the wind. And so whenever there's a windy day, I feel that you know that's that's her sort of talking to us and. But there's a lot of days where you, you have a hard day and it makes it harder. That, as I said, the person yeah. you talk to is just, yeah, he's not there. You find other people. I talk to my sister a lot and, and obviously other people, but there's no one quite like your mum that you can, yeah. <laughs> you can <laughs> deal with uh, all the stuff. When new people come into your life or your nephew, Mac, or maybe you're and Kimmy's you know, future kids or whatever, like when they ask about grandma or like, you know, how you describe her to them yeah it's that's a really hard one because she yeah unfortunately wasn't around she would have absolutely adored mac and you know when kim and i have kids the same she would have just absolutely adored them and loved yeah loved being a, a grandma to them but i mean we will we'll definitely talk about her and i know lynn's talks about her to mac and yeah they'll know that the sort of person she was the just the caring supportive amazing person and you know, we've got plenty of photos and stuff that we'll always show. And, yeah, just make sure they know who she was and what sort of person she was because, yeah, she was incredible. What would be the one thing when you're out there running, you're physically hurting, you're probably mentally hurting, is that is there one kind of thing you'll keep telling yourself to, to will yourself on? Yeah, it'll just be... It'll be that, you know, we're doing this for a reason. It'll be... We're doing it so other people hopefully can get the support they need like my mum who had you know had the support from MND and hopefully one day it, no one will have to deal with this I mean if we can deal with a little bit of pain for five days yeah you know and we can raise some money to help towards it it's a small price to pay so when you say your mum had the support what sort of stuff happens I mean we were lucky enough um MND Victoria and MND Australia, we had machines, um, so the electric wheelchairs, uh, the breathing apparatus. That was all. That's all not leased to you, but just given to you while while you're yep. going through that. And without it, you wouldn't be able to do it without it. It's just it's all that stuff's very expensive, and and um, through all the money and stuff, that's what you get. You get a lot of that. And then the research, is that to a cure or prevention or... Yeah, that's for yeah. both. So they split it down the middle. I think it's 50-50 where you get, yeah, a lot of it going towards research because obviously the key is, you know, we need to defeat this. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of it goes to research and the same, just helping the people that are already dealing with it to um, have it a bit more comfortable. Yeah. Um, what's it like when you see... Uh, here in Australia, we've got the big freeze uh, for yeah. MND when the ice bucket challenge was going around a few years ago. Yeah. Um, do you see that and kind of think, yep, people are getting around and supporting it or is it a bit of a reminder of what you've been through? Is it a weird one to see? Like- it's it's both. It's um, I've done the walk to the G for the big freeze 
the last yeah three years. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's tough because you see a lot of people with motor neuron, but you also see the support and how people get around it. I mean, Neil Danaher, incredible. Yep. <laughs> and the amount of money that he's raised and what people continue to give towards it is is really good. They know that it needs to be it needs to be stopped because it is it's awful. And um, it is, it's a tough reminder, but it's, it's also really nice to see people getting around it and, and doing the right thing. Yep. So we sort of just covered it then, but if someone is watching now and they think, yep, I'm going to donate 20 bucks, 50 bucks, how much impact is that going to have on some people's lives? Massive. So that, I mean, that goes towards that equipment I was talking about, that breathing apparatus that can keep people alive. That 2050 really, really helps. It all goes towards you know, the equipment they need to live. It's really helping families and, you know, eventually towards beating it and finding a cure, which is just, it's going to be massive. It's, it's yeah. So the money really does help. It goes to the right places. Obviously, we might not be able to thank individual people that donate, but what would you like to say to people who found 20 bucks or 50 bucks or 100 to put to the cause? Uh, can't thank them enough it is really making a big difference as i said towards that equipment and for research you you're really making a different in pe- difference in people's lives like it's it's really quite special how would you feel crystal balling we raise a bunch of money you do the run it works out well lots of other people are raising money and in a few years time someone breaks through and goes oh I find out, we found out how we can stop this happening to other people and that you knew that you know, part of you doing this, raising the money contributed to that, how that makes you Yeah, feel. I mean, it would, it would blow my mind to know that this would, you know, help towards a cure and help towards stopping this awful disease. It would, yeah, to know that I'd done anything or helped would be incredible. It would be a really, really nice feeling. I think mum would be proud and, and the rest of the family as well. So. Yeah, well, i got no doubt that she'll be super proud of you right now. Thanks. She'll be proud of you doing this run. Um, good luck uh, from Bridget, Mum and I. We've, we're chucking in the first 250 bucks. Thanks, buddy. So uh, I hope other people can do the same. And uh, I'm super proud of you. And I'm not envious of what you're about <laughs> to go through physically. But like you said, uh, a bit of pain for a good cause. I'm yeah, super sure. proud of you, man. So thanks, uh, buddy. Come on in. Appreciate it. <laughs> thanks, mate. So that's my best mate, Dave. And I think you'll agree, what an absolute champion. He's beginning his 300-kilometre run, that's 187 miles, on the 12th of September 2018. Now, there's a donation link in the podcast description on this episode and also on my Facebook page. Just search for Ryan John. Another thing I'd really appreciate is if you'd share this podcast episode with a friend or leave a review or share the video of Dave and I on Facebook or YouTube because even if you can't spare any money, maybe someone who you share Dave's story with can. And I just feel like... The more people that get to hear Dave's story, the better chance we have to raise the most amount of money possible. So thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Ryan John, and this is Life of Ryan. Thanks for listening, everyone. This episode of Life of Ryan was hosted and produced by Ryan John. Editing was done by the wonderful Brody Green and original music created by Tom Wood. Thanks for listening.